For example, one of the things that surprises people to know is that we were the good luck charm for our neighbor, Franklin Delano Roosevelt. He had a friend here who published the local newspaper. He used to come down to this one famous intersection in Beacon. He liked to launch his uh, campaigns there because he said he never lost a race when he started his campaign in Beacon, New York. My name is Denise Van Buren, and I have the honor and privilege of currently serving as the president of the Beacon Historical Society in Beacon, beautiful Beacon, on the banks of the Hudson River down in Dutchess County. And it's really a delight for me to have an opportunity to tell you about the history of our community. It's so important that we preserve the stories of this small city on the Hudson because it is changing so much. We're going through one of our greatest chapters of change ever since Well, frankly, September 11th and the creation of a modern art museum in our community, but certainly during the pandemic, we had a huge interest in growth. And so we're seeing a lot of folks pushing up from the greater metro area. You're listening to The Historian's Podcast, and I'm Bob Cudmore. Joining us is Denise Doring Van Buren, who's president of the Beacon New York Historical Society, author of two books, editor of a third book about Beacon's history. You've already mentioned a couple of things I hadn't really considered. Up, We are based in Upper State, New York, uh, depending on how you look at it, in the Albany, New York area. And we've noticed, or one of the phenomena up here, is that since 9-11 and other issues down in uh, New York City, more people from the city are moving up here. But Beacon is just uh, 60 miles or something like that uh, from uh, New York City. But that's been the case there, that you've had growth because people just want to kind of get out of Dodge in terms of the city? Yeah, absolutely. They want to leave the the bustle of the metropolitan area. But also, Bob, uh, it's important to note that our beautiful Hudson River Gothic Main Street has been rediscovered. It's experiencing renaissance. They're coming because they see the beauty of our built environment, but also our setting is absolutely majestic on the Hudson River. We are directly across from the city of Newburgh. We are at the northern entrance to the Hudson Highlands. Many folks are so familiar with the Highlands because West Point is there. It's just this beautiful, scenic spot and in, in one of the most beautiful in America called the American Rhine, in fact. So mm-hmm. there we sit on this beautiful area right north of the gateway to the Hudson Highlands, but in the shadow of Mount Beacon right on the river shoreline. Our physical setting is also just breathtaking. So it's not hard for us to understand why these new people are coming because all of us have come appreciate its beauty and its amenities. Now, where did the name come from? It had something to do with fire. It did indeed, yes. Thank you. Um, So prior to 1913, our area is actually two independent and vastly different villages. One is a waterfront community that is involved and engaged in all kind of shipping. That's Fishkill Landing, New York. And then further inland on the Fishkill Creek develops a manufacturing center, and that is called the village of Madiwan. Those two villages begin to grow as early as the 1700s and literally grow together. And by 1864, they're talking about consolidating them into one city. Well, they finally get around to doing that. They have formal uh, work that begins in 1910, and then they have to decide what to call our name. 
And so they first initially come up with the idea, Melzinga. That's what the Charter Commission recommends. Melzinga is an Indian word, long associated with the place. But then ultimately, in a voter referendum, the voters decide to call it Beacon in honor of the signal fires that were atop those Hudson Highlands that I mentioned earlier. One of the first acts of the Continental Congress at the uh, outbreak of the American Revolution was to establish a set of signal fires that stretched all the way from Boston to Philadelphia, that when lit in sequence would uh, notify the folks in Philadelphia, that the British were coming, literally. And so our beacon fire is one of a string of them that extends, but it's also one of the most important. Why? Because George Washington waits out the end of the American Revolution in Newburgh, across the river from us. He spends more time there than anywhere else, and he, we have to imagine, is watching for that, that signal fire. Or have the British come back to invade the United States while negotiations are going on over in Paris? So we are named for a beacon fire, so named during the American Revolution, manned huh. by Revolutionary War soldiers on top of our mountain. Now, before there was a, a revolution, what was the a Native American nation that uh, lived there? The Stockbridge. Your listeners may recognize the name of Chief Daniel Nimham, who is a well-known um, local chief of story. You could devote an entire new podcast to, and I encourage you to do that. Um, and initially, uh, of course, they are very uh, prolific here on the banks of the Hudson River, both east and west. I don't want to portray myself by any means, any kind of Native American expert by any means, but I will tell you that by the early 1700s, the Europeans are now beginning to push up the Hudson River, as you well know. And uh, three, gentlemen purchase Southern Duchess County, essentially, and one of them who passes away wills it to his daughter, Katharina. Her name is Katharina Rombout Brett, and she inherited about a third of that original Rombout patent. So she gets about 28,000 acres, and that includes the modern-day city of Beacon. She's considered our first European settler. Her homestead is located in the city of Beacon, built about 1708, and the oldest building in all of Duchess County. It's a, a house museum now, operated by our local chapter of the Daughters of the American Revolution. They saved it from demolition. 1954, they were going to pull it down and put an A&P supermarket there. And hmm. the DAR ladies stepped forward to save it. And, and it's a, a grand estate reason enough to come visit us in Beacon. We'll return to our discussion of Beacon, New York in just a moment. Your contributions keep the Historian's Podcast online and on the air. You can access our 2023 GoFundMe campaign through our website, bobcudmore.com or send a check made out to Bob Cudmore to 125 Horstman Drive, Scotia, New York, 12302. Thank you for helping to keep the Historian's Podcast and its history stories alive. You mentioned the Daughters of the American Revolution. You led that organization, did you not, on a national level for a while? Uh I did. Uh, I actually retired. I had a wonderful position with Central Hudson Gas and Electric Corporation, which provides the electricity and natural gas here in the Valley. I uh, was there for 26 years as an executive officer, but retired early so that I could then become the President General of the National Society of the DAR. We're headquartered down in Washington with about 3,000 chapters worldwide and nearly 200,000 members. We're a service organization, very proud to be among the largest volunteers at VA medical centers, also support our active duty military 
military try to raise awareness of history, in particular local history and communities everywhere where you find a local chapter. Denise Doring Van Buren is president of the Beacon New York Historical Society. Well, let me uh, bring up one of the elephants sitting in the room. Uh, Beacon had an industrial past, and perhaps we'll return to that. They made a lot of hats down there, as I understand it. But as many communities in uh, the north and northeast declined economically in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, there was a resurgence in Beacon. You talked about one aspect of that, people from New York City wanting to find a better place to live. But the other uh, point is... uh, an art museum. In fact, I first heard of, of Beacon. I was talking to my daughter, and they were wanted to get together for a girls' weekend, she and her friends, and uh, they had considered, they didn't do it, going to Beacon. I said, why is that? Oh, Dad, because of Dia Beacon, which is a big art museum. Can you tell us about that? Uh, sure. Oh, Dad, she's right. Uh, we're a hot place for all kind of bachelorette parties now and, and every other sort of party, I think. Um, first on our industrial past, you hit the nail on the head. We're most famous for our hats. We were uh, the hat capital of New York State for about 150 years. Our last one closed in 2005. Hats, of course, went out of fashion. Uh, we were second only to Danbury, Connecticut in terms of hat production, but we made scores of other products here. Uh, we made blankets and baby carriages. Uh, we had a large rubber company that made tires. We had. Um, they also made um, rubber life rafts during World War II. The first lawnmower in America was made in Beacon. We made uh, cannons and carriages and ovens. Uh, we had brickyards lining our shores, so we have a very strong industrial past. One of our factories was actually built to be a uh, cardboard uh, box manufacturer for Nabisco. And what did they make there? Well, they made the boxes for animal crackers. <laughs> and uh, on the top of the building, they had huge sawtooth natural light that came into the factory floor below so that they could ensure that all the dyes that they were using were consistent and the colors were accurate. Well, that sawtooth open air um, aspect of the building made it very appealing to the Dia art collection. They came up out of Chelsea in New York City, and um, they, they founded this in um, 2003. It opened as a huge, It's I believe, I don't want to speak at a turn, I'm not an art expert either, but I believe it's the largest collection of modern art in the United States. And it's well, again, well worth a visit. Well, that Dia opening spawned a lot of other art-related activities. We have a lot of galleries on Main Street. We have a lot of artists who are here. Uh, It's a very artsy community, one that's actually rooted in our past. We have, over the years, had many um, illustrious artists who have lived here, who have painted our our scenes. Um, And so it's kind of a continuation of one of our strengths. And part of it does relate to that natural beauty of where we sit on the Hudson River, uh, right in the, the shadow of Mount Beacon. Now, I, I just have this kind of like basic question. Dia, what does that mean? Dia beacon. It's a Greek word for through or, via, you know, like via. Think about the word via. It's kind of like that through. And I believe, and again, I don't want to speak on behalf of Dia, but it is something to do with, you know, um, we're seeing uh, modern modern times through this artwork of theirs. Their, their installation in Chelsea, their original mothership, if you will, is also called Dia, D-I-A. Okay. What does the Beacon Historical Society do? Well, I'm proud to say we're really probably the largest of all the local historical societies in the Hudson River Valley. We've got more than 400 members. We have a collection on three floors in the former rectory of a church at one of our uh, our beautiful places of worship here in Beacon. And we have literally 
thousands of items in that collection, everything from um, those bricks and hats that I talked about to photographs of our community through the decades. Uh, we are very well known in historical circles for, I guess I'm going to say, three most important things. Um, we had one of the earliest trolley systems in the Mid-Hudson Valley, so uh, we have a lot of records in terms of the transportation system in our area. Secondly, we had one of the longest-running ferries in American history here between Newburgh and what are today Newburgh and Beacon. Uh, it ran from 1743 until the opening of the Newburgh Beacon Bridge in 1963. It's an integral part of American history because it's there that all those patriots from New England will come down. People like John Adams, they'll cross there as they head south, either to Philadelphia or further south, ultimately to Washington, D.C. So our ferry was really important to our development, and we have a lot of information on that. But the number one thing that most folks will tell you was important about the development of what we know as Beacon was the Mount Beacon Incline Railway. It was the steepest funicular built anywhere in the world, and it operated from 1902 up until essentially the 1970s. Uh, initially at the top of this great cog railway was built the Beacon Crest Hotel, a massive hotel where uh, people like Gloria uh, um, hmm. Uh, oh, who's the famous movie? Gloria Swanson. I was going to say Steinem, okay. but no. Gloria Swanson <laughs> stayed there. Uh, D.W. Griffith filmed movies there atop Mount Beacon. This Grand Beacon Crest Hotel, regrettably, was lost to fire in 1927, the bane of all the great mountain houses, right? But we, we had a casino rebuilt there. There were cottages atop the mountain. There were all sorts of attractions atop the mountain. And people would come from New York City up on the day liners. They'd cross over on that ferry. Then they'd go up Mount Beacon. They'd spend the day there. It's much cooler there than it is in the city below, and they're all kind of attractions. And then they would take the reverse trip, go down the incline, back on the dayliner down to New York City. So our collection reflects not only these important chapters and our manufacturing past and our built environment, um, but the people of Beacon. And I think that's what I'm most proud of. There is an undeniable and I think invaluable sense of community in Beacon. Uh, once you're here and you get to know people, there is just this great charm about this place, and we love to celebrate the individual stories of uh, our men and women who served in the armed forces, those who have the vision to build things like the incline or our factories, um, those who um, you know, staffed our schools, our teachers, our educators, our policemen, our firemen. So we try to tell all their individual stories as well through our collection. Uh, our members receive a monthly newsletter, which always includes stories about local history. Uh, we have 10 monthly meetings that are open and free to members and to the public. During the course of the year, they all focus on Beacon history. And then we stage exhibits. And just to give you some ideas to this year's exhibits, uh, we'll have an, an exhibit about a man named Robert Van Tyne. He was one of the first photographers in the United States, the founder of the White House News Photographers Association. He was a Beacon native. And we have an exhibit coming from Washington, D.C. that we'll have up in March and April. We have a big exhibit coming up on urban renewal, which really changed the face not only of Beacon, but so many of our cities in the Northeast. And we'll have an exhibit this year on our great estates. We were once the location for some of the homes of the wealthiest people in America. Beautiful, magnificent homes with grand landscaped architecture, again, due to our beautiful natural setting. And so we'll have a great estates exhibit. So when you're a member, you get to participate in all those great things and share your own family's history here in Beacon. And that's, I think, what we love the most. Also, uh, and I didn't study this at all, I just looked up a one factoid from Wikipedia that Beacon seems 
um, ethnically diverse. Two-thirds of the population is said to be Caucasian, but one-third is African-American or Latino. Sometimes in the up-up state areas, you find 98% a Caucasian living in the community. Yeah, I think it's mo- one of the most wonderful facets of, of, again, that sense of community. And one of the things that when I moved here 40 years ago, I really loved about the community, and it seemed more of a microcosm of the American experience for me than some of the places I had originally lived upstate New York. Um, we have a, a large African-American and a large uh, Latino population. Many of them came for the factory jobs. Um, Newburgh, across the river from us, also has a very high, um, diverse population, and so some of that is a spill over, but there were jobs here, there was housing here, and there were communities here where, um, for example, African-American doctors and pharmacists and funeral home directors lived here in the community, pastors, and had their, their congregants and their patients and their customers right in Beacon. And it, it really led to a very, um, not only integrated, but blended society. If you look into our high school yearbooks or our, our other publications and pictures, You'll find many pictures of classes where, um, you know, there, there are many diverse faces staring back at you, and we're very proud of that. It, it, it's a really unique, I think, um, aspect of what makes Beacon such a great place to live. Denise Doring of Van Buren joining us, president of the Beacon New York Historical Society. You originally were from uh, the Capital District of New York State. Why did you move to Beacon? Well, I'm very proud to have been uh, born in Troy at Samaritan Hospital. Grew up in North Greenbush, went to school out in Winescale, New York. My dad was from Troy. My mother was from Albany. Her family um, ultimately was uh, from Colony, the Dot family. Some of you may recognize that from Dot Avenue, Dot Garage, or Polka Dots uh, Cupcakes. Um, so uh, my family has uh, very, very deep roots um, in, in the greater Capital District area. But I went away to college in western New York, came back, got jobs here, and it was really jobs that brought me down here. My my first job actually locally was in a local television station and radio station. And then as I mentioned, I ultimately went to work for the local utility as a spokesperson and became the vice president in charge of all the public relations. Is Beacon attract it is attracting people from outside the, the Beacon area right now. Why is that? You know, again, for those who are moving here permanently, the things we discussed before, but we've also ended up, Bob, on these lists. Um for example, Condé Nast Travelers List and, and other lists where people say, you know, these are the hottest places in America. Um, I believe it's Architectural Digest named ours one of the most beautiful main streets in America, again, because we're right at the base of the mountain. You stand on Main Street and you look up that tall mountain where the Incline Railway was and that great hotel had been on the top of the mountain. So um, we are clogged with tourists. I don't recommend that you come actually even on a nice weather weekend because our sidewalks are so packed. It's great for our Main Street merchants and we're happy to welcome welcome people, but it's difficult for you to find a parking place. It's difficult to find a place to eat. Um, come during the week, and you'll find a, a different city, really, um, because you'll be, it's very walkable. Uh, we're only a little more than an hour north of New York on the train station, and that makes it very compelling. Folks can come up here. They can visit Dia Beacon. They can walk on Main Street and go to one of our great restaurants that it, that's in some kind of a great old uh, adapted building and uh, really enjoy what our community is all about. I was uh, interested and maybe saddened to read that one of my uh, favorite movies or that I always thought was really connected to my neck of the woods, which is the Mohawk Valley, Johnstown, Gloversville, Amsterdam, uh, New York, because it was based on a book by the novelist Richard Russo, Nobody's Fool, 
was filmed in Beacon. You know, I think it's really supposed to be, is it Boston Spa area? I yeah, it's, it's supposed to yeah. represent Boston Spa. I always thought maybe they filmed it there, but I guess not. I will tell you why, because I was actually on the Beacon City Council at the time. Um, at the time, the producers were looking for a place that was quite run down. The whole plot of the story was that he lived in a somewhat of a depressed area where, you know, he lived in the great old house with Jessica Can- Tandy. Remember, great old architecture, but a community mm-hmm. that had perhaps seen better glory days. And they had the new amusement park that was coming in was going to solve all that. So when they came to us, they were looking for a city that was kind of run down. And it was kind of a sad thing to be selected for it in some respects. Um, and yet, a great thing. Our people loved it. God, Paul Newman was here and Melanie Griffith and all the stars of the movie. It was really a, a wonderful thing for us. They also filmed uh, several scenes in Hudson in Columbia County. Um, but in many respects, that also was part of that spark when Dia Beacon is coming and people are recognizing, wow, the bones of this Main Street are magnificent. And we begin to have private developers who come in, people like Ron and Ronnie Beth Sowers, who come and purchase buildings that are little more than facades and restore them and bring in great local businesses so that people can be proud to say, I can shop on Main Street for just about everything. We have a walkable Main Street. We have a community now um, where the stores are vibrant, the restaurants are vibrant. That was not the case when Nobody's Fool came to film here. They came because we were somewhat down on our luck at the time. Well, there's a lot of things I could ask you about Dia Beacon, but I don't know if we've established it's in particular a modern art museum, correct? It is, and its collection is astounding. Um, you know, I will, I will put it right out there. If you're a modern art collector, contemporary art, you, you will love it. It's not a collection perhaps for everyone who, like, who prefers more traditional uh, artwork, but um, it's certainly worth a visit. And like I said, we've got many nice galleries on Main Street now that you can, um, you know, add to your visit here that will make it a really worthwhile one, no matter what kind of art you prefer. Kind of reminds me of something that developed up in this neck of the woods, but in another state in uh, Massachusetts. Uh, I can't think of what it is now, but the, the North Adams, the city of North Adams, old industrial city with the in- industry left, uh, that's another a modern museum, uh, and which has helped that community grow. Yeah, we're we're very proud of it. At the time, um, you know, when Dia was coming, when Nobody's Fool was being filmed here, we had a very progressive mayor. She was our first and only female mayor. Her name was Clara Lou Gould. She's still alive in her 90s here in Beacon. She was the longest-serving mayor in the history of New York State, and she helped to bring a lot of these changes to to Beacon. In fact, that Dia Art Museum, at one point, um, the Metro North Railroad folks, the MTA, was thinking about buying it for it to be an engine uh, repair facility, and it would have been just for trains with just workers in it. And it was Clara Lou who really stood her ground and said that she saw it as a as a catalyst for uh, growth and development, particularly as far as the arts went. And she was joined with Governor Pataki at the time to make that project a reality. So it, it took a visionary like Clara Lou to really plant many of the seeds that we are now enjoying the flowers today. In fact, George Pataki came from an, a community not that far from Beacon, or, or did he? Indeed. Um, he grew up in Peekskill, and he lives just really one community, two communities south of us now, down in Garrison. I believe he still lives there in Putnam County. This is the next county. We're the last town uh, or the last city in, in Dutchess County. And south of us, there's a tiny bit of a border of the town of Fishkill, which wraps around the city, but then it's Putnam, and he lives right down there. So he's probably 10, 15 miles south of the city of Beacon. We're talking with Denise Doring Van Buren, president of the Beacon, New York Historical Society. 
another f- famous uh, person who I believe lived at least part of his life in uh, Beacon, was Alexander Hamilton ever a resident there? Well, he was here um, during the American Revolution when Washington again was stationed across the river. Um, we know he was there. I would not really, if he was, it was more of a transient. He has much of a stronger tie, of course, to the Capitol District and, and the Schuylers where he was married in, in Albany. But that's not to say that we haven't had our fair share of really famous people. The movie actor Robert Montgomery, mm-hmm. who many people know his daughter, Elizabeth Montgomery, was bewitched. But Robert Montgomery was a, a, a very, very famous number one actor in, in Hollywood, I think. I think in the 1930s. So Robert Montgomery was a native. Um, Milio Bettina, for a time, the light heavyweight champion of the world, 1939, was was a beacon guy. You might recognize the name Pete Seeger. And his wife Toshi, right? That's right. Uh, right. There, there's a riverfront park named in their honor. That's exactly right. Pete was really um, such a champion for the Hudson River, cleaning it up, enjoying it, and reconnecting it as really the lifeblood of our valley, right? It's what it's what connects us, not what separates us. And um, he, uh, with others, um, formed the Beacon Sloop Club, which still exists on our waterfront today, trying to raise awareness, get people out onto the river in historic vessels, really was instrumental in helping us to clean up where Seeger Park is in Beacon. Mm-hmm. Yep, Toshi Seeger Park is in Beacon, was once our Community's landfill, and every Saturday morning they build the they burn the garbage there, and there was a big plume of smoke for decades there, and then it was cleaned up to Riverfront Park, and then in later years they both have passed away. Um, the 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 park was named in their honor. Each year that Beacon Sloop Club, club that they founded um, hosts a um, very very popular strawberry festival on our waterfront, and then a corn festival and a pumpkin festival, and tens of thousands of people will come and support these festivals that are right there again, right on the Hudson River. You're jutting out to the Hudson River, and you're right in the you know across from Newburgh and right by Mount Beacon. It's just a beautiful setting. Some of the other famous people from Beacon, James Forrestal was the the Secretary of the Navy during World War II, but then became the first Secretary of Defense. He's one of the men credited with turning the entire economy into a, a war machine to create the tools and equipment that our, our men and women needed in fighting in World War II. Um, Henry Winthrop Sargent from the famous Sargent um, family out of Boston had his massive estate here. So we have always been a place that um, important people have been attracted to and have uh, enjoyed living here. It's, it's really a, a big part of our past. Let me ask you about one historic building, and I'm sure there are others. What is the Madame Brett Homestead? That's actually that home that I mentioned earlier that the Melzinga chapter of the Daughters of the American Revolution saved in 1954. It's the oldest building in Dutchess County. It's a house museum, and it is furnished to reflect the seven generations of Madame Brett's descendants who lived there. It has uh, just wonderful furnishings in it. During the Revolution, Washington visited there. Uh, the Marquis de Lafayette also visited there. General von Steuben, the quartermaster for the local uh, unit of the of the Revolution, was lived there at the time, and he entertained all of these luminaries of the Revolution. So it's a very significant place, and I'd encourage you to please come down and visit it. I, I know you would enjoy it. We've been talking with Denise Doring Van Buren, president of the Beacon New York Historical Society. Uh, well, we've talked about a lot of things. Is there something you'd like to bring up about Beacon, New York? Well, um, let me say that I would be remiss if I did not um, mention 
the name of a man named Bob Murphy. Um, Bob was the president of our Historical Society for uh, 20 years. He did our monthly newsletter for 38 years. He was the quintessential local historian. He was an, a walking encyclopedia of Beacon history. He had such passion for it. And Bob had a valiant fight against cancer, and we lost him in July of 2020. And for many of us, we carry on uh, his work and his spirit because he was so devoted to this community in which he had been born and raised and his family had been so active. Um, I co-authored two books with Bob, and then I edited a collection of all those newsletters that he wrote. And if you are interested in learning more about Beacon History, I encourage you to go to our website, which is beaconhistorical.org, or you can even go out to um, eBay or Amazon and put in Beacon New York Histories, and our three titles will pop up. And I, I, I know you'd enjoy reading more about the history of our great community um, if you wanted to purchase one. We'd love to have your support or to join the Beacon Historical Society. That, too, you can do on our website. What are the titles of the, of the books? Uh, the first book that we did, the first two were in the Images of America series, and the first one is Historic Beacon. That's kind of a primer, if you will, on Beacon history, gives you a good broad overview. And then the second title is Beacon Revisited, and there, uh, you know, we have hundreds of images in both these books that tell our story. And then uh, when Bob passed away in 2020, I edited together all of his 38 years of newsletters into a 540-page hard-covered volume. It has more than a 1,000 photographs and hundreds of stories of local people and institutions and events that occurred here. Um, for example, one of the things that surprises people to know is that we were the good luck charm for our neighbor, Franklin Delano Roosevelt. He had a friend here who published the local newspaper. He used to come down to this one famous intersection in Beacon. He liked to launch his uh, campaigns there because he said he never lost a race when he started his campaign in Beacon, New York. So that's an example of what you'd find in this book, little vignettes and stories about our people that um, you know, make this such a great place. Denise Doring Van Buren is president of the Beacon, New York Historical Society, author of two books, editor of a third book about Beacon's history. You've been listening to The Historian's Podcast, and I'm Bob Cudmore.